y bienvenidos a Texas. Welcome to Texas. The third Democratic debate lands in Houston with two Texans on stage, but did they make enough of an impression to take on the frontrunners? Plus, a potential attack thwarted in Fort Worth and Mayor Betsy Price heads to Washington to talk guns with the White House. This is Lone Star Politics from NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News. Good Sunday morning. I'm Julie Fine from NBC5, along with Gromer Jeffers, political reporter with the Dallas Morning News. Well, we were both in Houston this week, and we're back. Yeah, we made it out. You know, it was we were on the same flight, and, and our flight got canceled, but we were able to... And then Gromer <laughs> called me to tell me that it was canceled. I'm like, why are you pulling this this morning? I'll I see like, you at the airport. And he's like, no, it's really canceled. Yeah, but, but we're here now, and, and we're ready to with go. our Sunday viewers, uh, who we love so much, right? The house, who we love so much, and we love Sundays. Right. And the Democrats candidates for president came to Texas for the third national debate. Texas Southern University in Houston hosted the candidates on Thursday night. With the stage whittled down to 10, our Texas candidates needed to have a big night. Former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke and former HUD Secretary Julian Castro were on the edge of the stage, but they had some memorable moments. Joining us now to talk about how the candidates fared is Texas Representative Chris Turner. Thanks so much for being with us. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Let's first begin with, we want to play you something from Julian Castro, the former HUD secretary. He really went and took on former Vice President Joe Biden. Right. But the difference between what I support and what you support, Vice President Biden, is that you require them to opt in. And I would not require them to opt in. They would automatically be enrolled. They wouldn't have to buy in. That's a big difference because Barack Obama's vision was not to leave 10 million people uncovered. They, he wanted every single person in this country covered. My plan would do that. Your plan would they not. They do not have to buy in. They do not have to buy in. You just said that. You just said that two minutes ago. You just said two minutes ago that they would have to buy in. You said they would have to buy in. to buy in. If you qualify for Are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Are you forgetting already what you said just two minutes ago? His his health care plan would not automatically enroll you. You would have to opt in. My health care plan would. That's a big difference. I'm fulfilling fulfilling the legacy of Barack Obama, and you're not. I'll be surprised to him. So we have seen. Julian Castro in the other two debates. And he really, you know, he was on the attack there. This, however, to me, seemed different. I agree. It, it, it is different. And uh, I'm surprised he went, he went as far as he did with, with his, uh, his words just there that we just heard. And Representative, let's first make it clear, you're not endorsing that's correct. Any I, I'm candidate. I've not, yeah, right. okay. not, right. so uh, no, yeah. not made an endorsement. Now, thank you. I'm not made an endorsement in the presidential race yet. I'm still watching how right. this plays out. Do you think what happened is indicative of how candidates believe that if you want a big moment, that you have to attack somebody, preferably a front runner, and maybe uh, Castro overplayed that? Yeah, yeah I, I think that there is something to that. I think that clearly that. Um, you know, worked uh, has, has worked for different candidates in different debates. Right. Obviously, Senator Harris had some success with that in the first debate with Vice President Biden. But look, I, I think that 
Um, you also have to, to look at, you know, w w what are voters' perceptions of these candidates on stage? Everyone knows Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden is well-liked in the Democratic Party. Whether people support him for president or not, right. he is well-liked and well-respected. Um, going after him in that way, uh, I think there's a real risk that it backfires, and I, th I think that may be yeah, what Yeah, and it turns here. out that, the, overall, Biden uh, was probably correct about uh, most of what he was saying, but yes. how, do you, how do you think he responded, his response was to Castro's barrage? Yeah, well, I, th I think he handled it well. I think he, you know, he's, he's gotten used to this by now. Obviously, right. he's had a lot of attacks coming at him in all these debates. And so I think he, you know, handled it fine. And I think that, frankly, the comment about President Obama, uh, I, think, I think Vice President Biden got the best of it on that one. Yeah. And former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke really made some news with what he said regarding certain guns. Let's listen to that. Are you proposing taking away their guns and how would this work? I am. If it's a weapon that was designed to kill people on a battlefield, if the high-impact, high-velocity round, when it hits your body, shreds everything inside of your body because it was designed to do that, so when we see that being used against children, and in Odessa, I met the mother of a 15-year-old girl who was shot by an AR-15, mm -hmm. and that mother watched her bleed to death over the course of an hour because so many other people were shot by that AR-15 in Odessa in Midland. There weren't enough ambulances to get to them in time. Hell yes, we're gonna take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not gonna allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. To me, this was not a surprise to hear him say this because he's been talking about a mandatory buyback of what he calls weapons of war. A lot of critics are saying that he had a very great night. However, what's the long game on something like this? Uh, go ahead, uh, Chris. Yeah. Well, look, look I, I think that no one can dispute uh, Beto O'Rourke's passion on this issue. What, what he went through, what his home, uh, hometown community of El Paso went through several weeks ago, um, he, he uh, is speaking from the heart. Um, and, and look, I, I support, like a lot of Americans support, uh, a ban on assault weapons. I think we ought to go back to the ban we had in the 1990s. Um, I, I think the logistics of how you do a mandate, what, what he's calling a mandatory buyback, I just I don't understand how that would work. Um, and, and so I think that we have to look at other strategies uh, to, to keep guns uh, out of the wrong hands. In the primary, especially with the, with the gun violence that has gone on recently and quite frankly over the past 10 years, it's probably a fact of whether you agree with a, a buyback or not. I think. Uh, more, there are more progressive voters in a Democratic primary who want to see guns go away. Uh, and I, he'll probably, he probably feels lucky that if he makes it to the general election to have that problem uh, with people feeling like he's going to take their guns. So I think this is strategic for him to, to, to lure progressive voters to his side in a primary race. He also got some pr praise from the other candidates on the stage for his handling of the mass shootings in El Paso. Yeah, Chris, you wonder if they're praising him because they don't really see him as a threat or yeah. if, if they were, you know, well, sincere I, about I, I think it's sincere. Like I, like I said, I think that um, how he handled it and, and, and served as a spokesperson for that community uh, in the days after, in the aftermath of that attack, um, I, I think everybody was impressed with, and, okay. and I think it's sincere. Let's go, get back to former Vice President Joe Biden. It was interesting in the first few, the first two debates 
when he was on stage, he was the clear front runner. I mean, he is the front runner now, but you had others that had pulled higher on stage with him for the first time. I didn't feel he took quite as much incoming. Let's take a listen to him when he talks a little bit about health care. I know a lot about cancer. Let me tell you something. It's personal to me. Let me tell you something. Every single person who is diagnosed with cancer or any other disease can automatically become part of this plan. They will not go bankrupt because of that. They will not go bankrupt because of that. They can join immediately. And we're talking four, six, eight, ten years, depending on you talk about, before we get to Medicare for all. Come on. I've been there. You've been there. You know what it's like. People need help now, hope now, and do something now. Congressman O'Rourke. Yeah. <clears throat> So, I mean, th this was clearly a different Vice President Joe Biden, I think, in the third debate versus the first two. Yeah, I, I agree. I, he, he, you know, came out, came out swinging in a lot of cases. Uh, he had a very spirited uh, defense of, of his plan on, on health care in a contrast with some of the other candidates. Um, and, I, you know, I think undoubtedly he, he looks strong in this debate. There's no, no doubt about that. Do you think he can go the distance? Can he make it all the way to the nomination? Uh, I think he can. I, I, I think others possibly can as well. So I, I, this this race is far from being over. I think there's uh, many viable candidates still running, but I think certainly Why Vice President Biden. Why is he the front can. runner? You think? Well, I think he's the front runner because he was vice president for eight years under Barack Obama, who is revered in, in the Democratic Party, rightfully. Um, people know him. Uh, they trust him. Uh, he's seen as a steady hand. Um, and, and so I, I think for all those reasons, he's, he's viewed as the, the front runner right now. I felt in this debate that you saw the candidates talk more about the president than each other. I thought it wasn't as much go after each other. Let's talk about being Democrats and winning the White House. Yeah. Well, absolutely. That's what that's what they need to do. Uh, frankly, we, we, this, this ultimately is about uh, how do we uh, defeat Donald Trump? Uh, how do we uh, put uh, someone in the White House who's going to begin to repair the damage uh, that has been done to this country during the Trump administration? Um, and who's the best person to do that? Who's the best person to win the election and be a good president? Julian that's, Castro that's didn't get that memo, though. <laughs> <laughs> In the short time that we have left, can we just turn to the legislature really quickly? You know, there's been a lot of controversy surrounding Speaker Dennis Bonin. Yes, there has been. I mean, at this point, basically, what do you think happens here? Yeah. Well, I think, practically speaking, um, this matter is in the hands of the Texas Rangers right now. They are conducting an investigation uh, into to what happened, what was said. Um, it's been reported that they have now obtained the, the recording, um, that, which is no surprise. So I suspect that at some point, I don't know when, but at some point they will bring back a report to the House General Investigating Committee uh, and they will provide a complete report on what happened that will include the recording. Uh, and then I think we'll all know, have a very clear picture about what happened and, and go from there. Do you think uh, he'll, he'll survive? Should he step down now or do you think the investigation should... Well, I think the investigation should play out. I, 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 I certainly don't have the answers about what, what happened or what didn't happen. There's a lot of allegations back and forth, so I think we need the truth for that. Um, but, you know, look, I think the big focus is going to be on the Texas House next year. House is in play. Right. Democrats could be in charge of the House in, in 2021. Okay. Representative Turner, thank you so much for joining Future us. Future Speaker Turner, Thank maybe? you. <laughs> Good to be with you. Up next, a thwarted attack and a trip to Washington, D.C. We're talking to Fort Worth's mayor about gun rights and protecting the city. Plus, a North Texan is looking to challenge Senator John Cornyn in 2020, why he says change is needed. 
This week, Fort Worth police announced they had thwarted a potential shooting attack in the city. A 27-year-old man tried to buy guns at local stores, but was denied because he failed background checks. He then took cash and planned to buy a gun off the street. He admitted to police that he planned to kill as many people as possible here in Fort Worth and then go to Midland Odessa to shoot more people there. The city's crisis intervention team was able to take him into custody. He's now getting psychiatric treatment. Joining us now is Fort Worth Mayor Betsy Price. Mayor Price, after this incident, you went to Washington, D.C. to talk about guns. Yes, I did. At the invitation of the White House, they invited a group of about eight bipartisan mayors to come and talk about innovative things that are working in their cities and talk about uh, standardizing background checks and red flag laws. It was an interesting conversation. Do you think there's an open mind for it? I think it's growing. I think there's more appetite now than there's ever been. I don't think there's any appetite for banning guns or, or taking guns, but there is for increasing the database and standardizing that database on transactions, for doing away with sales just such as this young man was wanting, for getting them, not doing away with them, but making sure that individual to individual sales have a background check. Do you get the feeling that they're gathering information to try to develop some sort of proposal and maybe, you know, get a legislative solution out of Congress? I did. I got the impression all the mayors walked away fairly optimistic that they were going to do something. This, what they said was, we're looking at a suite of solutions. They're pulling together a lot of ideas. They're pulling together a lot of the innovative techniques like our crisis intervention team to see what might could be put together and how they might help with this. Okay, and to be clear, the president didn't stick his head in the no, meeting or anything like time. that, say, no. you know, hey, mayor, how are you doing? We had or anything Kelly like Ann that. Conway and Joe Grogan. Oh, okay. Now, as a mayor of Fort Worth, uh, and I assume you are, are you a gun owner? I am. You hunt and, and, and I all do. That? I hunt and I shoot sporting clays and trap and skeet and have what used to be concealed carry and now licensed to carry. My husband's a competitive shooter, shoots competitively two or three days a week. So what's your take on, on, a, on a solution? to gun violence, you know, what, what would you like to see as We're a never gonna a legislate ourselves out of this because it's a multi-pronged issue. It's gonna take major sea change in a lot of things, families, children, businesses, everybody, law enforcement, cities, everybody stepping up. What I'd like to see is the standardized background checks and I'd like to see the loophole closed on individual sales. Think about individual sales now. If you go to say a gun show and buy a gun from a licensed federal firearm licensed dealer, you can walk right outside or just across the hall and buy one from an individual without a background check. Right. It ought to be like TSA, where if you want to fly after 9-11, we all had to go through security. If you want to get through quicker, you get a TSA pre-check. Right, well, and now we're going to have to, in October 2020, we're going to have, have to have a different driver's, driver's license. license. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, so the House has already passed a bill. This will now go to the Senate. Do you think there is a growing appetite for universal background checks? We saw several of the senators while we were there. The group of mayors were able to see some of them. I particularly saw Senator Cornyn, and he said that they are investigating it and looking at it and that they were going to work with the president and his team and see what was there. What they didn't you, say no, but they didn't say yes either. What do you think about the, the debate over the a, AR-15? I don't First think... Of, do, you, do you have one? I do. Okay. Yes, I do. And we use them for hog hunting at our ranch. But feral we are hog. respons feral hogs, okay. responsible gun owners. And, you know, I think that 
I don't think they're going to ever ban them. For one thing, there are millions of them in the population, and how would you ever get them all confiscated? That just isn't going to happen. And I don't think Texas or America, either one, is going to ban guns. I think there are a lot of other ways to tackle this, beginning with universal background checks. Okay. How quickly do you think there will be some action, if there is action? Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, we'd love to see it happen fairly soon. But the good news is the door's open for the dialogue and they're talking about it. They haven't just said absolutely not. And I think that's the real win here. We said we started beating the drum. We'll just continue beating that drum at the national level. Mayor Price, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you as always you. for having me. And up next, a possible new challenger for Senator John Cornyn in 2020. Why a North Texas state senator says it's time for a change. Republican State Senator Pat Fallon announced this week he's considering challenging John Cornyn in 2020. He's established an exploratory committee. He says Cornyn has not been present enough with voters. I'm telling you right now, we need some energy and passion and vigor uh, and unapologetic conservatism and in a populist way. This will be an uphill battle for Fallon. Cornyn won the general election in 2014. By more than 27 points, he has some high-profile backing, picking up endorsements from President Trump, Governor Abbott, and Senator Ted Cruz. So I, I'm, I, I spoke to him this week, and he seemed like he was very interested in doing this. Oh, yeah. Uh, let, let me just say this about Pat Fallon. He's a good campaigner. He run a tough house race to begin his political career, and uh, uh, he beat Craig Estes, an incumbent, longtime incumbent for Senate. Oh, well, so remember, he's they a, were here together. Right, they were here together. You remember that. So he's a good campaigner, and I think he's trying to, to exploit Cornyn's weakness to, to activists on the right, and that's what he's trying to do. But the problem is you have uh, Trump and, and, and Cruz and Abbott vouching for Cornyn, so it would be tough. The question is how can he really do it, but there will be some anti-Cornyn folks out there that he'll be able to, to sway to his side. But are they enough? Would they make a difference? And what about the huge swath of moderate voters? And you also have the lieutenant governor who came out very strongly again for Senator Cornyn. And of course, Pat Fallon serves in the Senate. Yeah, you know, Julie, you know, the, the memo has been, look, for if you're a Republican, focus on the Democrats in 2020. That's the threat. Let's not have an internal fighting. Let's not have, you know, primary each other. He's filing his working against script, and, and that's the problem there. So he's, 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 this is a risk because if he has corn and spending resources and, and, and has them do a hard, tough race, and then, you know, and then Cornyn has trouble in a general election, they're going to blame Fallon for that, and he, he might have to pay a political price down the line. But I don't think he's thinking about that. And as you spoke of Democrats and the Republicans trying to be Democrats, let's tie up with a bow the debate that we saw this week. Now, October, you're going to have the debate we saw last week. October, you're going to have all of the same candidates right. on stage, but it'll probably be two nights because more have qualified. Yeah, uh, you know, Steyer, uh, guy you see on TV all the time, I mean, he's qualified. You may have a, a couple of more two nights again. But two nights were probably five and six or something like that, so it'll be more manageable. Uh, you know, I, everybody wants to fill the narrow so we can get five or six the best candidates and have them slug it out. That might not happen, though, till after Iowa. We'll see. Yeah, I think it was this one what was interesting was that you had everybody, all the candidates that have polled the highest 
on the same stage. That won't be the case next time. Exactly. It'll be fun, though, right? right. And that's all the time we have. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next Sunday.